Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I'm Dalton Del Don, and today I'm happy to be joined by my buddy Pat Fitzmorris, host of the Fitz on Fantasy podcast, contributor to thefootballgirl.com, and one of the industry's most accurate rankers. Today, we're going to be talking about players on new teams. But first, make sure to sign up for a fantasy team with us at Yahoo. And if you really want an edge over your league mates this year, give Yahoo Fantasy Plus a spin. There's a trade hub, a research assistant, cheat sheets, all sorts of deeper extra features on top of the Yahoo Fantasy you know and love. Sign up for a league and get your free trial of Yahoo Fantasy Plus at yahoo.com slash fantasy football. Okay, the big news of the day is Sony Michelle has been traded to the Rams. I've spoken far too much. Pat, first of all, welcome. Thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me on, Dalton. Uh, great to talk to you again. I think the last time we talked, uh, you were way out in front on the Trey Lance excitement, and it seems like uh, everybody's just kind of catching up to you on that front. So you were definitely cutting edge there. Thank you. Yeah, we were in, we we're currently in a slow draft right now in industry league, and I also was able to grab him. I went early round four. It's a super flex league, but I continue to be on brand, and in leagues we're in together, uh, I'm the Trey Lance guy for sure. Um, all right, Sony Michelle, Trader of the Rams. This is actually interesting, you know, kind of uh, for us right now, uh, relatively breaking news. And I'm curious your opinion uh, with the move. Yeah, you know, uh, I think the, the guy this most excites me about is Ramondre Stevenson and the opening that leaves for him on the uh, New England depth chart just kind of blocked off there. I mean, they've got James White, they've got Damian Harris, they've got, you know, J.J. Taylor. And now it seems like there is a spot for Stevenson to possibly come in. Maybe be that short yardage sledgehammer, change of pace guy. Um, you know, maybe he's LeGarrette Blount with hands, like with some pass catching ability, which would kind of be exciting. So I've been kind of dipping into him in the late rounds of best balls for a few months now and hoping that maybe can pay off with this move. Uh, interesting for the Rams. I, I think this Darrell Henderson thumb injury really frightened them. Like they just realized they did not have enough at running back and wanted to put another body in there. Like, I don't know if it totally kills the value of Xavier Jones, but let's just say I had Xavier Jones teed up in the uh, mid teens of uh, a slow draft last night, auto draft. As soon as I read that news this morning, I, I went and quickly uh, changed swapped out Xavier Jones there. I wasn't as excited about him. I don't know that if it hurts Darrell Henderson too much. I, I think they still want him to be the lead guy. 
Um, you know, maybe Sony gets some some situational work, but he's actually been pretty good last year. Um, like the the best metrics of his career as far as efficiency, like tackles, forced missed tackles. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, maybe he does have a chance to pop here. You know, we we've kind of written him off due to his knee problems or whatever, but maybe there's a, a like late renaissance for him. Uh, as we've seen with some of these other backs who, who sometimes took a few years to get over knee injuries and kind of had a like a, a late blooming stage of their career. Yeah, the rookie Stevenson has looked so, so good in the preseason and has played faster with pads on than his 40 time would lead you to believe. Um, I uh, completely took off Jake Funk and uh, buried Xavier Jones on my ranks. And Sony Michelle, I had kind of uh, mentally written off. But as you mentioned last year, you look back, it was a limited sample, but he led the NFL in yards per touch among running backs. I mean, number two in rush yards over expectation. He still has a degenerative knee problem, though, that could go at any moment. But I was aggressive on Henderson. I'm one of those risky drafters and the upside's there. But man, this could just turn into to a committee there. Um, definitely is not great news for Henderson managers who woke up to that news this morning. Um, only the Patriots and the Ravens have run the ball more inside the five-yard line, I believe, uh, than the Rams the last two years. So, I mean, whoever does emerge there, and it could be Sony Michelle now, you know, a big-time fantasy numbers. I want us to step outside there and talk more about L.A., who since C.J. Anderson went crazy for them, is I believe, un, you know, just off the couch. They've now spent a second-rounder, a third-rounder, another third-rounder, a fifth-rounder, a sixth-rounder, and a seventh-rounder on the running back position. It just... Seems bizarre to me, but uh, that's neither here nor there for for fantasy managers. Um, with you, Stevenson gets the upgrade. Damian Harris gets the upgrade. Um, but man, Michelle and Henderson, I worry it's more of a committee situation there in L.A. Any further thoughts on that one, Pat? Yeah. Um, so for now, I guess I'm kind of still viewing Henderson as sort of a low-end RB2. I think maybe there were people who were a little more optimistic about that, that he could sort of step into that Cam Akers uh, do everything role. But now this is kind of an indication that maybe the Rams don't want him to be that guy. Yeah, and I was trying to talk myself into Etienne and Henderson as these guys who are in the running back dead zone who maybe not be, but this is just further proof, man, that you get in those murky areas. We've seen the Miles Gaskin, and it's just, it's tough. It's been called that, labeled that for a reason. And here's another risky guy. I mean, Henderson has the upside, but now suddenly... Um, he might be stuck in a committee there. Okay, so next uh, next on the news, not it's obviously predictable here, but but Trevor Lawrence was officially named the week one starter before we started recording here. So obviously, but nice uh, we get that nonsense out of the way with Urban Meyer. Um, and Rap Sheet has reported that Jameis Winston is the leader in the clubhouse to be the starting quarterback for the Saints. Some um, Rap Sheet is hit or miss on his, and this is more of a you know conjecture than it is an official report. But Winston obviously looked good in that last preseason game. Um, thoughts on the QB situation? I, I worry Taysom Hill, even if Winston's named the starter, Taysom Hill's going to come in in the red zone and mess it up for fantasy managers. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking too, Dalton, like we're on the same page there that just, you know, if you have Winston, even though he can be an aggressive downfield passer, like losing those key snaps and maybe losing him in the red zone, getting touchdown opportunities taken away sort of hurts the overall value a little bit. You wonder if Sean Payton, who likes to, he's, he's kind of a look at me type coach at times, like if he's going to be playing games with the quarterbacks all year long. So, you know, I know some leagues have gone to Team quarterbacks did that last year as a, a response to COVID. And, um, you know, if you're in a team quarterback situation, I might push the Saints up into the top. Yeah, into the teens, maybe. But um, individually, that does seem like it could be a headache all year. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's not the same situation. He's throwing pick sixes in Tampa Bay where it actually helped you here. You know, the Saints are going to win with defense and running. And, and I really think Taysom Hill is going to be a nuisance in the red zone. Um, Juwan Johnson have any interest in, in maybe as a deep sleeper in tight end? Uh, Yahoo, I believe he's eligible only at wide receiver now, but I've been, I don't know. That's going to probably create a controversy because Adam Troutman was carted off with the leg injury. So any interest there? Yeah, and they also had an injury to Nick Vanette. So it seems like yes, uh, exactly. right. Johnson right. is kind of the last man standing there. And it's interesting. Like he had a couple of big catches in uh, that game against the Jaguars. So, although one was like sort of a garbage time catch from Ian Book late. I think he's still kind of going to be a uh, guy who goes into waiver wire speed dial. I don't think I'm going to draft him, uh, you know, maybe add him in a deep dynasty league or something like that. But right now, I, I don't know how much confidence I feel in him. If they do name Jameis the starter, though, like that definitely perks interest a little more. And I guess he might sort of fall into a similar category as Marquez Callaway, like a weird guy. Sometimes you you want to take these speculative guys thinking they might pop later in the season. Callaway might never be more valuable than he's going to be in the first few weeks of the season before Michael Thomas gets back. Uh, you know, we don't know what Traquan Smith's status is right now, but like if it is Winston at quarterback, the aggressive downfield thrower that he is, and Lord knows on that second touchdown pass to Callaway, Callaway against the Jaguars, Winston didn't look at anyone else. He was going down that sideline right off the bat. And, uh, you know, if, if, Callaway and Juwan Johnson are like two of the top three or four targets in that offense. Like they could be usable September, early October for sure. I know Matt Harmon talked a lot about Callaway yesterday, but I want your opinion on this because a Twitter poll went up yesterday, Jamar Chase or Callaway, and like half the answer, it was oh, about 50-50, it was about 50-50, and most of the comments were calling everyone a donkey who picked Callaway and recency bias and whatnot. I don't know. You, before I answer, give my opinion. I want your opinion on, 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 on that poll. Is Callaway even in the same realm as Chase, or is that just recency bias? I don't think he's quite there. I mean, Chase is a pretty amazing prospect if we look at things like I know things have not gone well so far like he didn't have the camp that people wanted maybe we should kind of give him a little slack there since he didn't play football at all last year but I still like him as a prospect a lot I think it's eventually going to happen for him yeah he had some drops on Friday uh what at least one of those looked like a pretty clear business decision where uh maybe it was a, a ball thrown a little too far in front of him in uh, the path of an oncoming safety. So I'm okay with him not making that catch in a preseason game. Yeah, I, I've dropped him a little bit from where I had him earlier in the off season, maybe from the, the early twenties to more the, the mid to late twenties now at wide receiver. But, you know, for me, he's still a guy I'm happy to take like in the, the fifth round of fantasy drafts, whereas Steven or uh, Callaway, is a guy maybe, you know, I'm, I'm looking at more in the double digit rounds as a possibility. Yeah, obviously it's laughable in Dynasty. And, and, I, and, I, and I get that it, it could seem silly six months from now. Um, I don't care about drops either. But, you know, Chase has been battling two others for targets outdoors. Burrow coming off serious, serious knee surgery, facing Steelers, Ravens, uh, Browns six times and all that. Where Callaway could be easily the number one target indoors on Saints. I don't think it's like crazy that Callaway matches Chase's production, at least in year one. But 
definitely funny to think about it. You know, two weeks ago, one guy was undrafted and Chase had the highest ADP for a rookie receiver in many years for a while there. It was like 20th or so. So he's definitely going to be cheaper uh, as we approach actual drafts. Okay, enough of the news. Let's get to some talking points. Before we get to the players on new teams, I wasn't going to have you on the pod and not talk a little Packers because you're a Packer guy. So I want your expertise. Um, when we last, when I was on your podcast earlier this summer, Aaron Rodgers, you know, was in limbo. So first, I just want to say, how happy are you to have Rodgers as your, you know, back in, back in Green Bay? Oh, I'm pretty happy, Dalton. And, uh, you know, to be honest, I was kind of fading some of the speculation that he was going to be traded and all that. Like, I just think it's uh, kind of a clunky organizational setup with the Packers with a, uh, you know, board of directors and an executive committee. And like, I didn't think Brian Gutekunst, the GM, was going to be able to unilaterally swing a trade with Aaron Rodgers. Like he would have had to get sign off from like, you know, at least probably half a dozen people in the organization. And it's an organization that already had a walk-in Hall of Fame quarterback leave unhappily. I don't think they wanted that to happen with a second walk-in Hall of Fame quarterback. So uh, glad to have him back. And uh, yeah, I mean, that obviously is a really good thing for people who are buying Aaron Jones and uh, Devontae Adams and some of these other guys on the cheap when there was some speculation that Rodgers might not be around. Yeah, I was a sucker who said that there was, you know, there was a real chance that he didn't return. And who knows if Mike Richards' fiasco in Jeopardy turns out differently. He was serious about getting that job. But and also, I'm happy for you and Packers fans. And it's whatever. I mean, Rodgers is awesome. And of course, it would have been horrible if he retired early and it deprived us from, from watching him. Uh, having said that, uh, our, we had a group piece of quarterback fades on, on Yahoo this week. And, and Rodgers was my pick. I see him going pretty aggressively. And my th- thought process is just without any legs, it's just tough to compete with the, the running quarterbacks and the TD regression. I mean, it's hard to throw a touchdown on 10% of your passes and historically that just drops the next year so I mean I'm personally taking Jalen Hurts above him and he goes rounds later so since you're a Packers guy you got to push back on me here tell me that that Rodgers I'm crazy MVP is the man no that's funny I mean before uh earlier in the offseason when I thought the Eagles were you know going to be confident with Hurts as their quarterback and and before these Deshaun Watson trade rumors started to come up. Like I was, that was a dilemma for me in the rankings. And I I do agree that there's going to be inevitable regression and that there's a ceiling for Rogers that maybe some of the the running quarterbacks don't have. I mean, Rogers still likes to scamper a little bit, but uh, not as much as he used to. So yeah, he's, he's really not going to be a top six guy. uh, You know, even if crash landing on that touchdown rates, uh, is a little gentler than maybe we're anticipating. I mean, still a phenomenal quarterback. There are going to be a lot of passing yards, a lot of touchdowns. I think he absolutely deserves to go top 10. I think I've got him a little bit ahead of Hertz just because the, the Eagles have scared me with their non-endorsements of Hertz. I, I like him and, and want to like him even more, but I've been shying away a little bit just on the the news of this Watson stuff and, and sort of more interested in seeing if I can maybe sneak out Trey Lance or, or Justin Fields at some point in my drafts. Yeah. I mean, I, I would encourage people not to go overboard drafting Rogers fine play in two QB leagues, but you know, he's, you're probably drafting him pretty close to his ceiling. I would think this year in fantasy drafts and, and maybe that's not the best idea. I have him 10 to be clear too. He, he's, he's great, at, but I'm on board with the Lance or Fields plan uh, a little later. Um, but MVS, what about Valdez Scantling? Am I falling for, am I a sucker again? I've always liked, I think I include him in my sleeper column each of the last three or four years, but um, I don't know. I'm buying the, the, the preseason buzz. Um, I have him ranked probably the highest. I looked at before we recorded here on Fantasy Pros, like my wide receiver 56 
or something. So talk me out of this. The guy always disappoints. I know. <laughs> he is such a uh, an interesting guy. I mean, he's great in best balls. Man, like generally, I, I kind of don't worry about drops all that much. But he is a guy who is just, I mean, all or nothing. Hands looking man. better. Hands catching everything <laughs> this summer. Catching everything. Yeah, I mean, like he seems to have like some sort of bad concentration drop every couple of weeks. But like Rogers used to freeze those guys out and he doesn't freeze MVS out. He knows like that is the only guy in this wide receiver core with like plus speed. So MVS, I think, is going to be part of the the game plan. And, you know, maybe a, a, a more frequent part of the game plan to the point where you could maybe trust throwing him in there as a, you know, uh, flex in a, a three receiver league or, you know, a, a second flex in a double flex league. You know, I, I don't think you're going to draft him to be a starter, but he's definitely an interesting dude. And I've, I've gotten more than my fair share of him in best balls for sure. Okay. Those beat writers are convinced he's the clear number two there. I know there's even like Devin Funches is hurt and I know they traded for Randall Cobb, but Man, you look at it the other way, too. What if Devontae Adams goes down? Oh, there's upside, man. I'm, I'm into MVS. And then quickly, the, uh, the, the running back situation there. A.J. Dillon's been a guy I've been targeting in round eight, like the, soon, the, the number one backup or, or whatever around that area. But Kylan Hill has emerged. At minimum, he could be the third down guy if something were to happen to Aaron Jones. I know you took Jones in the league we're in together. So uh, thoughts on the backfield quickly before we move on to the players uh, joining new teams. Sure, I like Jones. I've got in the, like, running back four to running back 14 range. There are a lot of warts on all those guys. And I feel like Jones warts are maybe a little less uh, frightening than anyone else's. Like you could maybe inherit a little bit more uh, in in the passing game, a few more targets with Jamal Williams gone because, you know, pass catching really isn't Dylan's thing. Jones has managed to be a touchdown scorer, even though the Packers goal line back is basically Devontae Adams in that offense. And, and yet Jones has not had any problem scoring touchdowns. So I feel really good about him. Dylan, I think, comes in like really interesting dude, balled out in the one game where he got a chance against the Titans last year, although it did seem like the Titans may have quit a little bit in a, a snowy, cold weather game in Green Bay. So, um, but still, man, Quadzilla is pretty attractive as, as one of those like bench running backs who could give you a little bit of standalone value and, and really pop if anything happened to Jones. And then I think Kylan Hill is kind of finding himself in the role Dylan was in last year, one injury away from being a, a guy people are rushing to the waiver wire to acquire, but probably isn't draftable right now. Totally agree with you about 14 backs. It's, a, it's clear there's just 14 backs, and then it's just a wild, wild west. Now, you said four to 14, so I have to ask, who's your number three back then? It's Camara for me. Okay, um, right, you know, okay. and, and maybe, like, I'm – I don't want to give short shrift to Derrick Henry, but, you know, like, the guy has just been indestructible. Will that continue forever? The change in the offense. Like, how can they not throw less now that they've got Julio Jones yeah. and A.J. Brown as their wide receivers? And, you know, just that limited passing game upside. So, I mean, I, like it, knocking Henry feels like the dirtiest thing in the world, but I'm just not like supremely confident in him in any league that has like a PPR, half PPR components, taking him as a top three pick. Perfect segue. Julio Jones, uh, our first player joining a new team this offseason, quietly 
has he practiced in the last three and a half weeks? Um, I'm not sure if he's re- returned yet, but it's been considered not serious. But A.J. Brown is banged up as well. But Julio Jones went on the field still wildly productive. But, you know, in that age, it could fall off a cliff at any time. Now going outdoors and entirely um, a, no, a new system, you know, uh, he actually uh, so. I don't know. What are, your, what are your thoughts on Julio? I, I tend to have him ranked lower than it looks like consensus does. Yeah, so I've got him maybe at, at 17 or 18 and A.J. Brown at like eight or nine. And it seems like I'm probably too high on one or the other. You know, if this is going to continue to be at, at least, at very least, a, a balanced run past team with Derrick Henry. Um, but yeah, you also wonder if if the Titans, I mean, they're not going to, Tannehill's strength has been like play action and, mm-hmm. and rollouts. Like that game has really worked. Like you don't want Tannehill in some sort of, uh, you know, spread system where he is expected to pass. Like this has really worked for them. And maybe it's one of those things where Julio's significantly better in standard leagues this year, where he doesn't get, you know, as many catches as he's used to, but averages 18 or 19 yards per catch and uh you know maybe score some long touchdowns so i'm a, like i think as long as he's healthy he's he's still going to be good he's still going to be a guy you're going to want in your lineup every week but um yeah with with aj brown providing some target competition i mean a guy who's just looking like he's going to be a monster for the entirety of his career you know I, I think we do have to be a little bit cautious with julio and, uh, you know, to me, there's a pretty uh, deep drop off at wide receiver after the first 12 guys or so. And, uh, you know, he's in that vast uh, tier of, of wide receiver two types, I think. It would be funny if he started racking up touchdowns, and the, if, even if the yards weren't there. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah, it's, it's a re- interesting situation there in Tennessee, for sure, with, with no Arthur Smith, uh, Derrick Henry having 800 carries the last two years. Can he hold up? Can A.J. Brown's knees hold up? Yeah, Julio is a guy that's not going to end up on many of my teams, but certainly I could, I could, you know, be punished for it. Uh, in a Hall of Famer. Um, so the person leaving Tennessee, Corey Davis, getting force-fed the targets in the preseason with no Elijah Moore there, though, um, and Zach Wilson, a guy I'd been, you know, pessimistic on. He's looked great. So Corey Davis quietly top twenty-five in target share last year and top five in yards per route run. And it used to be avoid the wide receivers changing teams, but lately it's been the opposite. Kind of the targets have followed the money with Stephon Diggs and Robbie Anderson last year. Corey Davis looks like the next example of that. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't want to go too overboard on anything that came out of that Jets-Packers okay. game because the, the Packers, <laughs> not, only were, not only were the Packers not playing their defensive starters, they were playing guys who are going to be working as, uh, you know, nightclub bouncers and brokerage okay. interns in the next couple of weeks. So. But like the reports on Wilson have been pretty good. And I do kind of think Davis is going to be his number one guy. Like I did bump up Davis a little bit uh, recently just because I think like, you know, as, as much as we've heard this huge buzz about Elijah Moore, like Corey Davis is, has, you know, he is a little more street cred, I guess you could say at this point in the game. And like they've kind of brought him over, giving him, the sort of money that suggests he is going to play a prominent role in this offense. So number one in the Jets offense is still only enough to get him into the late thirties at wide receiver for me. I think a guy who's maybe, you know, your third or fourth or a possible flex guy, but uh, like I'm more enthusiastic than I was at first when we didn't know, you know, how they were going to work in Elijah Moore was getting buzz. 
was Denzel Mims going to play? Like, was Jameson Crowder still going to have a role? And how much, you know, volume was this Jets passing game going to produce? I'm a little more optimistic now than I was. Yeah, so it, it still leaves him, you know, barely inside my top 40, but a little more optimism on Davis. Not going crazy over the preseason targets. Uh, you know, Chris Herndon must be really bad to be freed from Adam Gase and to have this happen to disappear. That's why. I, I, on a side note here, I think I saw you uh, actually say you would prop Rondell Moore over Elijah Moore. Am I putting words in your mouth or is that true? Oh, that's correct. That's correct. Okay. I, uh, Interesting. Yeah, I, All right. I, I okay. would do that. R- right. I know. And it, I don't know if that was just a case of the New York media versus the Arizona media. But like to me, man, I think Rondell is just totally built for this. Arizona Cliff's horizontal passing game. Like they were throwing those little hitch patterns to Larry Fitzgerald last year. And Rondale might literally be twice as fast as Larry Fitz. So like, I think this offense is perfect for Rondale. Yeah, no, he's super exciting for sure. Um, All right. The next guy, player moving teams, Marvin Jones, uh, joining his old OC from Detroit, uh, looking good in the preseason, but now dealing with an AC joint in his shoulder. I don't, hopefully not super serious, but thoughts on Marvin Jones. He was one of my favorite, more uh, affordable later around uh, wide receiver flyers earlier in the summer, but he was moving up draft boards. Yeah, um, I think there's been like a, a renewed Marvin Jones appreciation yeah. this offseason, as as well there should be. I mean, he's a guy you always kind of look back at fantasy scoring and you're like, whoa, Marvin Jones finished that highly. The only thing I didn't love about him going to Jacksonville is, you know, they've already got this vertical receiver in DJ Chark, and now they're, they're two of those guys. So I've, I've kind of had to tamp down both of those guys in my rankings a little bit. But, you know, terrific veteran player you know and if trevor lawrence really pops jones is definitely going to have value yeah with with shark and jones banged up now look at chenault with uh you know, obviously it looked like he was going to be moved up in ppr with etn going down anyway but man chenault uh, quickly how how high are you on james robinson i think i've got him like running back fit we talked about that range of uh like the yeah. top 14 running backs like he's he's next on the list um, you know, and he finished running back. Oh seven. yeah. I, okay. I, yeah. Four he was running back seven. seven and a half point PPR last year. Um, you know, different offense and maybe Carlos Hyde factors in a little bit more than, uh, you know, whoever was backing up Robinson last year, but yeah, like I have no problem with taking him like early third round. That's fair. You know, after that 14, I went Carson, then Robinson. But right there, yeah. Chris Carson's the other guy I talked I talk myself into for the right behind that group. But yeah, him, Carson sure. and Robinson right after that 14. Totally 100 percent with you there. Kenny Galladay, I uh, think I'm going to write him in my uh, upcoming bus column saying I think I'd rather listen. I'd rather listen to Kenny G than I would draft Kenny G on my uh, my fantasy team this year when he was going <laughs> so super high earlier. But it's easier now that he's already banged up another soft tissue injury. So um, thoughts on, on Galladay uh, joining the Giants. Well, that Kenny G thing, Dalton, I don't know if there's anything more damning you can say about a player than that, that you would rather listen to the smooth jazz of Kenny G than have uh, Galladay in your roster. Man, this makes me sad because I think Galladay is really a pretty good player. And I, I was not so much worried about like the quarterbacking with Daniel Jones. Like Galladay made David Blau look like a real NFL quarterback two years ago. Like, you know, being in a, a top 10 receiver pace late in the season in five games with Blau as his quarterback. That's hard to do, man. I think this guy is one of the best contested catch guys in the league. But man, like a hamstring injury, basically wrecking his training camp with a new team. Like I'm always a little wary of team changing wide receivers. 
had Galladay gotten in a full camp and, you know, looked like he was forging some sort of connection with Jones, I'd be much more enthusiastic. But, uh, you know, I went from having him like in my mid twenties, a receiver to like now, I don't know, like 33 or something. It's, it's just hard to be optimistic, but the market's really reflecting that. So, you know, if he starts sliding into the seventh or eighth round, I might be tempted to take a shot at him, but yeah, it's just not real positive here right now. Yeah. I mean, you're right. He's a fun receiver to watch the contested catch rate. It's great, but uh, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of downside now going outdoors. Uh, don't love the coordinator, the quarterback and the injury already but um yeah hopefully he gets healthy and proves us wrong though because yeah he, he's he's an awesome when healthy what about will fuller man i didn't mean to make this all these receivers on new teams banged up but will fuller perennially banged up and a uh, great news on tua who looks totally different year two removed from hip surgery so uh it's certainly exciting for all the receivers there waddle a roller coaster offseason showed up oh he's not over his in- his ankle surgery and now he looks like the number the clear number one there so thoughts on will fuller yeah, another situation where we've got two sort of vertical receivers uh, maybe competing for the same types of targets. But on the other hand, I mean, I thought Fuller might just be kind of a nine-route guy last year, and we sort of saw that he wasn't like early in the season. He played a, a more, I don't know, a, a, like a wider role for the Texans last year when he had to, and it was good to see. You know, I, I know Josh Norris, whose opinions I respect, like he is a big Will Fuller fan, so and and he's going at a discount for sure. Like it, I think you can normally get him at like the as the fortieth receiver maybe off the board in drafts. You're not going to be able to play him in week one because of the suspension. Right. Injuries are always a thing. Like it seems inevitable he'll miss a couple of games. But as good as that Miami offense has looked, and man, were they clicking in in week two preseason. I'm definitely interested in Will Fuller if I you know maybe didn't have as many wide receivers in my basket as I usually do by the the eighth or ninth round and Will Fuller was sitting there like I might take a shot at him for sure because like if this offense is really as uh, lively as it looks you know maybe Fuller is a guy who could could be startable for most of the season yeah, or at least whenever he's healthy, right? Who cares? Even if he right. missed half the year, if he's like a top 15 receiver, he's on the field. I probably have him ranked too low because of that. Yeah, I mean, I think in my head, I was like, well, he benefited from Deshaun Watson. But if two is looking good and Devontae Parker's always banged up. So, yeah, I, right. yeah, I think the upside remains even in the new situation there for Fuller. He's, he is good. And you're, you're right. He expanded his route tree last year. Thoughts on the last wide receiver change? Another one, surprise, uh, banged up. But Curtis Samuel uh, going to, to Washington. Yeah, I wanted to be more excited about him, but I have not drafted him anywhere lately. I mean, he was on the COVID list. Now he's got this groin injury that he's been dealing with, I think, since minicamp. So plus you've got uh, De'Ami Brown is kind of showing out a little bit. Logan Thomas looking really good again. And obviously McLaurin is just going to soak up tons of targets with Fitzmagic there. And, uh, you know, that's the thing. Like you figured Fitzpatrick would be able to float multiple wide receivers in this offense as aggressive a downfield thrower as he is. And, um, you know, even Samuel, whose game really isn't the vertical passing game, but um, I don't know. Now it's it's just hard to get excited about him and and how he's going to fit into this offense. There are a lot of other guys. I'm, I'm normally getting, you know, one of, Gibson, McLaurin, Logan Thomas. So uh, I'm not really too interested in taking shots at, at Samuel right now. 
Uh, you may snicker, but it's a 20th round PPR, late round dart. I like Adam Humphreys working the slot there, especially if, uh, if Samuel remains banged up. We'll stick with Washington and just move over to quarterbacks. Do you have any interest in, in Fitz joining Washington? There, Taylor Heineke buzz earlier this summer saying he was outplaying him, but uh, it's going to be the bearded one for sure. Uh, any, any desire to drafting him? Yeah, like in leagues where it's feasible to take a second quarterback, I don't mind having Fitz as my second quarterback as long as there is enough uh, action on the waiver wire where you can get, you know, a, a Sam Darnold or a Jimmy G or, you know, whoever's floating out there, a Jared Goff. Uh, I don't mind it because we know Fitz is going to have a couple of train wreck games. He always does the the four interception games. <laughs> the guy oscillates between the four interception games and the 400 yard game. So it's, we know those are coming and we don't know what sort of patience uh, his new organization is going to have for it, especially with a pretty good backup quarterback behind him. So I don't know. I've got him like in the early twenties, at quarterback. I don't think he's this uh, fantasy panacea that people made him out to be right after the signing. I think what I like most about him is that he really gives me encouragement on the value of Terry McLaurin this year. Totally. No, that's the best takeaway for sure. What about Matthew Stafford uh, joining LA and McVay? Yeah, we talked about it, Dalton. I mean, the guys who don't run just have a limited upside. So like, he seems like the kind of guy that if this deal had happened, a guy everyone regards as really good at passing, you know, one of the better pure passers in the game, going from sort of a, a more of an offense to a really lively one with an exciting play caller, like we would have been jazzed and would have had Stafford in the top 10. But in the modern game, those guys just don't move the needle that much. So uh, you know, he's like kind of a safe guy. If you happen to wait at quarterback and can get him a little later, good chance to finish as sort of a low end QB one, but you know, can only get so excited for a dude who doesn't run. Yeah. Just like you, the other team it helps woods and cup more than it does fantasy managers. Cause yeah, even in one quarterback leagues, the big money NFFC leagues right now, Trey Lance is going off the board before Stafford. I mean, even if he might not start, you know, even the first couple months, but it just makes sense. It's just simple math with, with the rushing. Like I, my, my theory with Jalen hurts versus uh Rogers um, last QB. Uh, thank you. Producer John for adding uh, Teddy Bridgewater. I forgot about him and he's, uh, Oh, he was just named the starter in, in Denver. It looks like so um, interesting. Uh, interesting. I guess mildly interesting, I guess. Actually, I haven't really cared too much about the Lock Bridgewater situation, but maybe I'm off base there. And Judy looks so, so good. I've just been bumping him up and up my rankings throughout the summer. So thoughts on Bridgewater? Yeah, Teddy is a a viable QB2 now in two QB leagues for sure. An interesting backup, a possible streaming play, um, just with so many good pass catchers around him. It's really interesting. I know Lock had made strides, and both of these guys have actually looked really good in the preseason. Yeah, we just needed a guy who is going to uh, basically he is a target delivery system for the pass catchers we want there. We're less interested in the quarterback than in him being able to float the value of of Jerry Judy, Noah Fant, Cortland Sutton. So, you know, we knew we were either going to get forced improvement out of Drew Locke or it was going to come down to Teddy, who, you know, we saw support multiple receivers in Carolina last year. I guess we should feel good about this. And, you know, Teddy's probably still not a guy we're coveting on our fantasy rosters, but, uh, you know, in deeper leagues, two QB leagues, he's definitely playable. I aggressively rank the three sophomore wide wide receivers, T Higgins, Chase Claypool, and Jerry Judy, 17, 18th, and 19. So I'm I'm in on those guys. So uh, yeah, Bridgewater, I think will be plenty competent to, to, to help me there. Let's move to the running backs. Uh, Mike Davis joining Atlanta. 
I might have him ranked too low because, you know, there's no one really emerging there. Donta Foreman was signed, you know, from Tennessee. Who knows if he's even close to his uh, college self these days. Uh, Javion Hawkins was just released. I mean, Mike Davis, I just worry he wore down last year. He never had 200 carries. He's almost 30 years old. But man, Arthur Smith, Atlanta, and there's no one else there. So I could certainly see the bull case for him as well. You alluded to the running back dead zone at the top of the show, Dalton. And I mean, like Davis is kind of the guy you used it re- referencing ETN and Henderson, but I'd rather take a chance at those guys, the, the younger guys, uh, the pass catchers, the guys with juice, than on a guy like Davis, who's what, a 27 or 28 year old career backup who is being pushed up draft boards because he is projected for a lot of volume. Who knows, man? The projections are fragile. Like, we don't know what maybe that staff falls in love with. Uh, Claudia Allison or Deonta Foreman or, uh, you know, decide to uh, run it back with Cordero Patterson. Like, we don't know what's going to happen with that running game. And I, I kind of have my doubts that we're going to see Mike Davis get to like 250 carries. And the thing is, Dalton, he is going at a point in the draft, like the fifth round, where you've got, got guys like T. Higgins, mm-hmm. Deontay Johnson on the board. You've got maybe the last of the the high quality tight ends with like Andrews and Hawkinson in that part of the draft. You've got like the premium quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray falling into the fifth round in some drafts. Like there is a lot, that's a pivotal round. I do not want to be spending that pick on Mike Davis over some of those other options. hundred percent with you there. Um, next running back switch. I think he is absolutely we're talking about Jamal Williams. Not only do you know him well from your Green Bay days, from from where I was sitting, he looked like an improved back last year. And now Lions coach Dan Campbell is quote unquote concerned about DeAndre Swift's availability for week one. I think he's also talking just about, you know, his getting back in shape when he's returned from the groin injury. But man, I I, I see the upside with Swift, but Detroit has this coach that wants to run the ball first, second, and third downs. Their offensive line's underrated. So I don't know. I kind of like Jamal Williams. Am I crazy? I mean, normally I'm I'm against these old boring veterans, but I could I could I could see some upside here actually. Yeah, you're not. And I like I, I think there's a general feeling of pessimism about Swift. I'm still a little optimistic and re- remember Campbell coming in and saying that they, you know, wanted to look at using Swift the way the Saints use Alvin Kamara, which was kind of what I wanted to hear. And the fact that Swift yeah. came in and right away scored touchdowns, was used in a, a goal line roll and was used as a pass catcher. And those are the things we really want. Yeah. Excelled in both things as a rookie. But I do think there's room for Jamal Williams to play a pretty prominent role here uh you know we're not going to see him being some sort of workhorse or whatever but like I think there's going to be standalone value for Jamal and you know if Swift isn't ready to answer the bell in week one like I want Jamal in my starting lineup if I've got him on my roster Uh, but what if what if Swift misses weeks can Jamal be a workhorse or no you think they do Jamar Jefferson and then mix him up or something no he absolutely can and that's why he was so uh he endeared himself to the Packers organization not only a really good funny dude but like he did everything pretty well like I didn't like him at first when he came on the Packers I thought he was just a a real run-of-the-mill guy but he does do everything well. Like he, he can run inside and out. He can catch passes. He's a really strong blocker, like good at pass protection. So they're going to trust him on the field. And I like, I would not be surprised if we saw pretty massive snap counts for him. If Swift misses time. 
I, I love Swift, the player. You said it, the targets through the roof. He scored double digit touchdowns as a rookie, and he like b- fumbled that or that one dropped that one pass. Could have had more, yes. but I just wor- for whatever reason, I just worry about his his. Dur- I just have a weird feeling about his durability, and obviously this. I mean, it was before this summer too. But um, I hope I'm wrong because yeah, he he could easily be a first round talent fantasy player, DeAndre Swift, no question yeah. about that. Um, but uh, but I I have Jamal Williams probably ranked uh, among the highest in the industry. Uh, James Conner, I don't have too many thoughts on the Arizona situation. Do you? No, um, kind of the same thing. Like we, we have to see what the usage is going to be. I'm, you know, sort of dipping a toe into the water in each and in best balls. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty murky right now. Arizona did have, uh, Kenyon Drake had a ton of carries inside the five last year. And right. Connor takes over that role, but he just can't rely on him staying healthy at all. Um, Giovanni Bernard, um, the whole fantasy community is warming up to him. And I certainly am. I mean, Tom Brady's check down guy. I mean, thoughts on him? I mean, I think I'm taking him in a full PPR league ahead of Fournette or Ronald Jones. Um, like, I think he is going to be the, the James White for Brady this year. And Ronald Jones is just bad in the passing game. I don't think they trust him at all. Um, you know, Fournette is not especially efficient in the passing game. Had their real nice run in the playoffs, but like even in the playoffs, like Rojo was sneakily still getting double digit carries every week. Like I think Bernard is really going to hurt the value of those guys and is going to be on the field on passing downs. Yeah, I've, I've buried Fournette because I think Jones, even though the, the nice playoff run, uh, I think Jones is clearly their best runner and Bernard's going to be on the field a ton. I don't blame you at all for taking Bernard first among all uh, Buccaneer running backs. Uh, and finally, Carlos Hyde joining Jacksonville. We talked about James Robinson's situation. Is the old OSU connection with Urban Meyer going to be a pain for Robinson guys? Maybe uh, it could be like, I, I could still only get Hyde like into the fifties at running back, even in standard leagues and, and, you know, PPR and a half PPR certainly hurts his value. So I don't know whether he's a thorn in the side. I guess that depends on what they do at the goal line. You know, we got, we saw Robinson get all those, uh, touches last year we'll see how it goes with urban meyer i mean let's hope robinson gets him again but who knows you know i didn't ask you i don't think i did where did you end up settling ranking uh sony michelle oh you know i haven't sat down to do that I just it's a hard one man news. It, it i've is. seen it all over twitter timeline some people say it's a non is not doesn't matter at all i don't know what where'd you so where are you going to think you're going to end up ranking him i have a feeling like in half point ppr i'm probably going to have him in like the mid to late 40s Okay. All right. How does that All sound right. to you? Uh, I might be a little bit higher just because of Henderson and the Rams situation, um, but it's going to be in that one big tier of those backups with upside. So that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mid forties makes sense. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Sure. But uh, interesting, interesting uh, a move there. All right. Um, appreciate your thoughts on those, uh, Pat. But now we have uh, the segment, uh, the the weekly segment that I've uh, uh, put my guests in the hot seat. Your must haves and your must fades per position. So Pat Fitzmorris, tell me the quarterback you refuse to leave drafts without. I really like Trevor Lawrence a lot at the price. Uh, a guy who just came in as this highly coveted recruit at Clemson and was just the man from the get-go and looked every bit the part, still looks the part, probably the best quarterback prospect to come out of college since Andrew Luck. And I think part of it is because the buzz on Trey Lance and Justin Fields has been so strong that like somehow Trevor is kind of flying under the radar in drafts, it seems like. And and they've set him up with a, a nice group of pass catchers, even after losing his college teammates, uh, ETN, that kind of stunk. But I think people are worried about the Urban Meyer offense, 
but I think this is going to be a good situation. I don't think there are going to be many games this season where the Jaguars have big leads and are, uh, you know, taking the air out of the ball. I think Lawrence is going to be throwing a lot of passes this year and he runs. I mean, we talked about this, Dalton, he runs. I think he's going to be good for four to six rushing touchdowns. He's not afraid to take a big hit. Maybe he should be a little more afraid because he was taking some in preseason the other night, but I'm excited about him. And, uh, you know, I've got him at like QB 12. I'm with you. I'm as a top 15 guy, but so you would take him even one quarterback league. You're taking him over fields and Lance. No question. Or do you I consider am. it? I am. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. No, he runs. He's like I said generational prospect. I hope urban Meyer doesn't screw him up, but yeah, even the weapons there, what's not to like, um, who's your, the running back that, that you love. You're going to dig this one. Trey sermon, like the price. And I think we talked about this when you were on my podcast that we are getting him at a price where if he's a committee back, that's okay. Cause we're paying a committee back price right now, but we have seen dudes in the Shanahan zone rushing scheme, going back to Mike Shanahan, uh, where we saw Ruben Drones, Tatum Bell, uh, Alfred Morris have these good, you know, one-off fantasy seasons where they were like significant contributors to fantasy teams. And then when we've had actually really super talented guys come through the Shanahan system, Clinton Portis, Terrell Davis, I mean, it was just pure magic. And, you know, what if Sermon is one of those guys? Like, what if he... You know, and he does kind of fit that mold. They traded up for him. He is that sort of one stick your foot in the ground, make the one cut and go running back that fits that system so well. I am willing to play at those pot odds and draft him at a committee back price, knowing I might just have a committee back, but knowing there's a chance that, you know, I could hit a royal flush with this dude. I mean, I love Raheem Mostert, but he's approaching 30. He doesn't have 300 career carries. I mean, he's still wearing the knee brace uh, in this in summer. I uh, he just he's probably very quite simply the most likely player to get injured in the league, possibly. So Sermon banged up himself and in college, but the outside zone scheme he's used to. The, they traded up for him. The running backs coach loves him. He's been getting all a lot of work with the ones. He's pass protection advanced. They were throwing him passes. So yeah, I, I mean, the upside's there. One minor quibble is maybe Trey Lance becomes the guy and he takes some of the goal line scores you don't love, but the upside's there for this team to run the ball 500 times and Trey Sermon, uh, yeah, big time, big time uh, 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 fantasy upside. Uh, wide receiver that Pat loves. So I talked about Rondell Moore. I'll skip him and uh, you know be your Greek chorus, Dalton, and say Jerry Judy. And uh, I'm just kind of a little hurt that I actually have him ranked lower than you, which, uh, you know, I, I didn't think it was possible for me to be below anyone in Judy, but yeah, I just love the guy. I mean, the fact that he led all receivers last year in, in uncatchable targets, you know, and, and as we talked about either Drew Locke was going to get better or they were going to put Teddy in to sort of guarantee improvement out of the, the quarterback position there, you know, Cortland Sutton may be slow to recover from this knee injury training camp watchers have said that he is not, you know, going up and, and getting those contested airborne balls the way he used to. I think Judy is going to be the clear number one. We know he is an exceptional route runner. We know he's just amazing after the catch. Really the only phase that he was not great in last year was the actual squeezing of the football and catching it. But, uh, you know, we saw Devonte Adams have dropped problems too, and he turned out pretty well. So I'm not really worried about that really excited about the rest of this game. And I've just been, you know, bitterly disappointed if I don't draft him in every league. 
Yeah, Noah Fant's banged up right now, too. Yeah, I mean, Terrell Owens used to perennially lead the league in drop passes, and it's not even necessarily a stat that's, that's sticky. Oh, man, what a ra- already one of the best route runners in the league. Yeah, year two is when the receivers blow up. So, yeah, I'm all in. And I probably sold Teddy short in that last segment. He's totally fine and capable and going to make Judy be a top 20 fantasy wideout this year. So all in with you there. And then finally, for your must-haves, uh, the tight end that Pat loves. Yeah, so I haven't really had a must-have tight end. I've been the guy who's uh, sort of skipping out and not getting one of the premium guys. You know, I love, if I do get a premium guy, Kittle is my favorite at that price, though, I think. Like, another guy who people are freaking out that Ayuk and Debo are maybe going to threaten his target load or somehow, I don't know, like, I don't know how there got to be almost a full round gap between Darren Waller and George Kittle. Like, I just don't get it. I mean, Kittle has pretty steadily averaged like eight targets a game over the last three years. And last year in games that Kittle played with Debo and Ayuk, he averaged 8.3 targets a game. So he was not losing out. I know it was kind of a small sample. They really weren't healthy together for that many games. The dude has averaged 10 yards per target over the last three years. I mean, the only guy who might be harder to tackle in the NFL is Derek Henry. Like Kittle is just an absolute machine. And are we really worried about Trey Lance, like not, you know, being some sort of problem for Kittle? Like I'm not, I don't think you are yet. I get the idea that somehow like people think Derek Carr is a more reliable target delivery mechanism than Trey Lance is going to be. So I like Kittle if you're paying up for a tight end and and the fact that, you know, he's going like half a round to a full round behind Waller makes him even more of a buy for me. Well, you do get extra credit for uh, picking two 49ers. There's that. And second, yeah, I mean, George Kittle's the best tight end in football. The Niners over the last two years, their yards per carry is a full yard more when he's off the field versus off. I mean, off. He's such a good blocker. And, uh, and Trey Lance, through to his tight ends a ton in the red zone, North Dakota State, for whatever that's worth. The only concern is, is health with him. The guy plays reckless. He's always hurt. So that, I mean, that's the concern. But I mean, Kittle's the man. He's fantastic and, and absolutely, absolutely love him. And tight end, if you can get one of the premium guys, it's the one position you can have by far the most advantage over your league mates in, in fantasy football. All right, now we get to the, the, the fun stuff to end it here, Pat. The, the fade, the must fades, the players you hate. Uh, who's the quarterback you you will not stand? There will be you will not stand for it. Having him on your fantasy roster, um, I'm not buying a 44 year old quarterback, Dalton. I'm just not going to do it. I know everyone thinks Tom Brady is immortal, but um, you know, Vinny Testaverde, I believe, is the only other quarterback to have started an NFL game at age 44. And granted, like Tom Brady's got a little bit of a track record than Vinny. On the other hand, I mean, we've seen like great quarterbacks hit the wall before. Peyton Manning had a really good year in 2014 and then just absolutely was terrible in 2015. Got carried kicking and screaming to a championship by his uh, Denver Broncos teammates, but he was obviously cooked. And I think he was age 39 in that crash landing season he had. Brett Favre, you know, another guy who's arguably one of the 10 best quarterbacks of all time. Almost gets the Vikings to a Super Bowl in 09. Uh, the next year at age 41 in uh, 2010, he was just awful. 11 TDs, 19 picks. I just can't keep putting bets down on a, a quarterback that age, Dalton. I mean, the actuarial tables are telling me not to get Tom Brady. Like, I'm just not going to get him even as much as I love the, the pass catchers, as much as I love the, the Bruce Arians offense. Like, I just can't do it. 
So you're talking to someone who essentially wrote a column saying Brady is done last season because of his age, switching <laughs> switching in a weird offseason. His CPOE was horrible last year, but obviously he proved me slightly wrong winning the Super Bowl, and a few people let me uh, let me know it on, on, on Twitter. Um, so maybe that's just me being you know totally scorned last year because I'm still ranking him pretty high this year. He second most end zone attempts last year, so he doesn't run, but it's nice when you're just throwing so many attempts in the end zone, and now a healthy Antonio Brown to join God. Godwin and Evans and OJ Howard and a whole off season with, and he was supposedly playing with that hurt knee, but I hear you. He's 44 years old. This, this does not happen. It doesn't happen. And I mean, it's got to end at some point. So, so I mean, yeah, and he doesn't run either. So I'm not, he's not going to really end up on many of my teams either way, but fully expect another 45 touchdowns in my face. Um, what running back are you, are you fading this year? Yeah, we're going to be having this Tom Brady conversation yeah. five years from now on a podcast. Yeah. Alton. So, yeah. um, so I mentioned Mike Davis, and he's really the main fade, but I'll I'll also just briefly mention David Montgomery. They've got Damian Williams behind him now. Tariq Cohen slowly working his way back. He's just not going to get the volume he got last year. That offensive line is really terrible. I'm not like violently opposed to having him in that Chris Carson, James Robinson tier, but to me, he's kind of like the guy bringing up the rear of that tier, and someone always likes him in drafts more than I do. Yeah, and that schedule down the stretch last year was such a dream, too. Just weak rush defense after weak rush defense. But um, certainly played better than I, I expected from him. Um, and and, and the, was, the Bears have a uh, tough schedule this year, too. That should be noted. <laughs> right, for sure. Um, all right, your wide receiver that Pat Fitz is fading. Adam Thielen. Uh, I think people are attracted to the you know narrow usage tree in Minnesota, the fact that there's been continuity with the quarterback. But like targets are earns like I think the number of targets you draw like says something about your ability as a receiver and Thielen in 2017 18 I believe averaged like nine targets or 9.3 targets a game over those two years over 2019 2020 he's averaged 6.3 targets a game and I know he's he was banged up for some of those games playing hurt admirably like, we know he's getting a, a crash landing with touchdown regression this year. There's no way he's getting 14 again. But, like, I mean, Justin Jefferson is the man now. I know they don't have a credible third receiver. Uh, you know, maybe Irv Smith sort of plays that role from the tight end spot. But I'm just not not too into Thielen, considering that he's still be, being drafted as, like, a wide receiver, too. And, and to me, he's out of that range. Totally with you. Yeah, buying last year career high. I think with the touchdowns and Irv Smith's going to be a monster in, in, in the red zone. Obviously, Justin Jefferson, who didn't even start the first two weeks. Frankly, I was shocked when the when the bright grand Barfield drafted Thielen over my guy Brandon Ayuk and among others in this league we're just in today. So yeah, I'm with you on Thielen. I'm fading him. He's my wide receiver 29, which is much below wow. ECR. Uh, and then finally, the uh, tight end that Pat is fading. Just to show I'm not a total homer, I'm going to throw out Robert Tunyon. 88% catch rate last year, 20% roughly of his catches went for touchdowns. I mean, he is just, regression is going to come knocking on Mr. Tunyon's door, unfortunately. And the Packers have added uh, Randall Cobb and Amari Rogers, who might steal some of those short area receptions. So yeah, like he's going in that, after, we've got the big six at tight ends. Then I guess Logan Thomas is kind of the bridge guy at tight end seven. Mm-hmm. Like Tunyon is routinely going as like TE8, TE9, TE10. And I think he should be more like TE14 or 15. Like I'd rather have Gronk than Tunyon. 
Yeah, I have him at 12. I'm with you, the TD regression there. Although there has been some buzz that he's like improved his, his route tree a little bit more this offseason. But yeah, he seems like a, a an obvious favorite. He won a lot of fantasy leagues for people last year, just in tight yeah. end position, getting him off the waiver wire. Um, great stuff, Pat. Is there is there anything else you would like to promote, man? Uh, you know, just check out my pod, Fits on Fantasy. I've had some pretty good guests, including a couple Yahoo people lately. Uh, you know, you were on a few months ago. And uh, within the last month, I've had Matt Harmon and Scott Pianowski on. Justin Boone and Sean Corner these uh, last two weeks. So some good draft stuff if you're, uh, you know, getting ready to go into the heart of your draft season. Might want to check those out because, you know, had some pretty good rankers giving some pretty good advice. Thanks for joining me, Pat, man. Good, Good times talking football with you. Great talking to you, Dalton. Thanks. All right, so follow me on Twitter at Dalton Del Don. Follow Pat at Fitz underscore FF. And don't forget to follow at Yahoo Fantasy for all of your fantasy news and updates. Want to know who will bring home the Heisman Trophy this year? Dan Wetzel, Pete Thamel, and SI's Pat Forty give you their season-long predictions in the latest episode of the College Football Inquirer podcast. Liz Loza will be back with a brand new episode to end the week tomorrow. Until then, we are out. We are out.